Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Hmm. Well, we have just had uh, an amazing weekend here with Tom and Jana and a, a bunch of their team from Loveland. The healing rooms in Loveland came up yesterday and ministered to us, and uh, we just thank you and bless you. You have anything you'd like to share now? Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> there, there's a verse that um, is a, a puzzle to me in in the New Testament, and um, I was just reminded of it just now, so I can't even tell you exactly where it is. I think it's in Hebrews. Uh, that says, Jesus learned obedience through suffering. And that just, it. if it wasn't in the Bible, I would think that can't be right. And And probably the troubling part of it for us is if, if Jesus had to learn obedience through suffering, then what about us? Um, <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of hope for us uh, learning obedience without suffering if if it took that for Jesus. So um, one of the <clears throat> hard things about the Christian life over the long haul is when we don't understand his ways and his his ways become um, an obstacle almost for for us in our our growth our our continued uh, movement along the path. And uh, so I think the message that I have for you today is, uh, it's, it's one I wish I would have heard a long time ago. Uh, I've, I've given a lot of messages like that over the last few years. <laughs> but this, this would have really helped me if, if I would have had this revelation uh, some years ago, and I'll I'll just start by reminding you of something that uh, Rob Grinley shared with us uh, a few weeks ago, and it was something from the Old Testament. Uh, really, the when when God made His official covenant with Abraham, and He called. Abraham to be blameless in in his walk before the Lord. And and that was under the old covenant. And and Rob shed a little bit of light on that Hebrew word that's translated blameless because it it doesn't 
uh, <clears throat> the real meaning of it isn't perfect, which I, I think that that verse is quoted in the New Testament and it's translated, be perfect as your heavenly Father is, is perfect. But the real meaning of, of this Hebrew word is, is to be complete, to be whole, to be singular. And in the context of, of that conversation between God and Abraham, God was calling Abraham to be singularly his. To, to be undivided in his loyalty to the Lord. And, you know, we live under the new covenant, but what God asks of us is not different from that. He, he asks for us to be wholly His, to be singular in our devotion and our commitment to Him, such that when, when there's a conflict of values in, in our life, our, our devotion to Him trumps whatever the conflict is with. And, and that's, that's what he calls us to under the Old Covenant and under the New Covenant. Now, under the New Covenant, we know we, we have a, a huge advantage because we have the Holy Spirit within us and upon us, and Abraham didn't have that, and neither did many of the others, uh, well, all of the others. None of them had the Holy Spirit within in the Old Testament. Many had the Holy Spirit upon for a specific calling, purpose, uh, etc. But where, where I wanted to go with this is uh, I, I would call this message understanding the favor of God. Um, <clears throat> because it doesn't always look like we think it should look. And for people who, under the new covenant, are, are seeking to be wholly the Lord's and, and be singularly devoted to Him, then we live in the favor of God. And what does favor mean? mean. Uh, the Old Testament word, ken, it's like chen is, is actually, <laughs> that's a, it's a difficult pronunciation for us non-Jewish people. I, I'm told that we, we learn how to make sounds in language before we can talk by, by hearing those sounds. So since most of us didn't grow up in Jewish homes, it's it's hard to get that, <laughs> like chutzpah, <laughs> same kind of uh, sound. But what that word means is favor, grace, acceptance, and and you can extrapolate blessing uh, in, into that also because. 
to, as, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, when, when we are wholly the Lord's and we, we are truly his people, then we, we walk in the blessing of God, which, which means to, to actually walk in the characteristics of God. That's, that's another way of understanding blessing, because God is, is blessed. I mean, is anybody more blessed than God? No. And so that's a, a new way of looking at what Jesus said in, in the Beatitudes, but that's not where I'm going today. The favor of God. And uh, I, I don't remember if, oh, now I remember, uh, <clears throat> what kind of spurred me on to this study. It, it's uh, that book by Joel Belts, I think is his last name, Belts. What? Butts, okay. Uh, and what was the name of that book? Bent But Not Broken. And he, in one of his little chapters, he, he talked about Mary having the favor of God and how that really wasn't so apparent to the people that lived around her. And and you know for us looking back and knowing that that she was the miraculous virgin mother of Jesus our our savior. I mean we well yeah, she she was blessed. She was highly favored of God and that's that's what the angel came and told her. You know, you're highly favored of God. But you know what what that looked like in in her life after that encounter with the angel was a whole lot of ridicule for apparently having sex before marriage and and being pregnant and and a whole lot of dishonor uh that her husband Joseph took upon himself. Um, but yet, they both were highly favored of God. And, you know, that, that just got me thinking. And, and so I, I, I started digging into the word in, in the Old Testament about favor and you know, where did favor begin? Whenever you want to study a concept in the Bible, it's always good to look at the first place where it's mentioned. And Noah uh, is the first person who's, who's mentioned as uh, having the favor of God, and, and that's in Genesis 6, 8. Uh, and, and the Lord promised a covenant with Noah, but... What did the favor of God look like? And, and, and again, for us, looking back, you know, we, we just remember the, the major victory of Noah because, I mean, he saved creation. With, 
he was a, a type of, of Jesus. And, and without Noah and his obedience and favor, you know, there, there would have had to have been a new creation. Uh, so he, he saved the original creation through the judgment on, on the rest of the earth. I, I mean, favor, uh, blessing. Uh, but what did that favor and blessing look like in Noah's life during the 60 to 100 plus years that it took to build the ark. Between the time God gave him the assignment and the time the actual rain came down that nobody had ever seen. And, I mean, we know that Noah was a righteous man. That's that's what the word says. And, and he was living among a, a really unrighteous generation. I mean, you, you can just imagine the ridicule and the taunting and, and persecution that, that Noah endured, right? I, I mean, there, there weren't many righteous people at that time. I mean, quite possibly Noah was it. And, and so he, he endured that, and, and he, he had to hold on to the promise of God, what God said. Through 60 years of no rain. <laughs> and everybody saying that he was nuts and, and crazy and you know, who, who ever heard of water coming down from the sky? Noah, come on. You've you got to be kidding. And, and so, you know, that, that's, that's one guy. And then Abraham uh, is the next guy who, who's favored of God. And, and you know, the, the thing that, that struck me uh, as, as I dug into this is, you know, how, how could we not, how could I not, and, and I'm assuming we, because I'm assuming this is going to be new for at least some of us here. How could we not see this? Because the, this, this is the story of those who have God's favor. I mean, like, like everyone <laughs> in, in the Old Testament. I, I finally just quit after uh, David. <laughs> I, I I didn't have to go any farther. I because Abraham. I mean, he God promises makes this great promise. Abram, being exalted father, the the name of his the meaning of his name, uh, he's he's promised he, he's he's going to be the the father of of many, and and he has no kids at age seventy five. And and finally, uh, many years later, uh, Sarah has an idea. Well, you know, maybe we could help God a little bit in this, and we know how well that has turned out for the world ever since. We we don't want to get in the habit of helping God make things happen. <laughs> bad bad idea. 
But Abraham finally has his name changed to Abraham, the father of many nations, and he still doesn't have a a natural son with Sarah, his wife. And that finally happens when he's a hundred. And, you know, Abraham didn't live in complete isolation either. He had moved away from the land of his father, we know. But, I mean, when God speaks something to us, don't we tell people? So, you know, imagine Abraham. God speaks to him and he has this encounter and it's amazing at 75 and he tells everybody that he knows, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have lots of kids and I'm, I'm blessed and I have God's favor and 20 years later, there's still no kids. <laughs> and he has to tell God, you know, is, is this servant in my house going to be my heir? Uh, and that was that was God's favor. Uh, Jacob is the next one who who had the favor of God. And we're not even going to get into his story, but Joseph is is the next. And and Joseph's, I mean, next to David, those those are probably the two most troubling stories. Uh, of the favor of God that I encountered in in the Old Testament or the New Testament. I mean, poor Joseph. Uh, I mean, yeah, he had some pride and arrogance in, in his youth, but but the Lord showed him His calling when when he was young, and man, he believed it, and and so. However unwisely, he shares his the dream of his calling with his father and, and his brothers who he has seen bowing down to him. <laughs> and yeah, we, we know that that didn't work out real well for him, but it was it was part of God's plan. And and we know he's he's sold into slavery. But amazingly, throughout his life, we, we see God's favor in, in the midst of horrible things. So he's sold into slavery and he ends up being the slave of Potiphar, uh, an official in Pharaoh's household. But everything he touches is blessed. Because even though he's going through this, the favor of God is resting on him. And and we know that he does the righteous thing when Potiphar's his his boss's wife tries to, you know, get him to lay with her, and because he does the right thing, he's thrown in prison. And even when he's in prison, the the head of the guard, you know, puts him in charge of stuff and it prospers. What whatever he has puts his hand to it, it prospers. And 
you know, we know that finally, suddenly, something happened. That, that one day, Joseph wakes up in the dungeon, in, in the prison, and later that day, Pharaoh is putting a ring on his finger and he's second in command in the most powerful nation on the earth. And, and how does that happen? Well, only God can do something like that. And, and then the story, I, I mean, there, there are plenty of others, but, but then Moses, Ruth, Hannah, uh, but David. Uh, you know, one day he's out in the field minding his own business with the few sheep that he watches over and somebody comes running out to him and says, Samuel the prophet is at the house and you, you better get yourself home because he's asking for you. And he's anointed king over Israel by the prophet of the land. And then they send him back out to the sheep. I mean, how weird would that be? I, I mean, he, he had to be scratching his head for I don't know how long. And, and then we, I mean, we know the rest of the story of David, how for many years Saul is hunting him down and, and trying to kill him. And, and finally, finally, you know, a, after multiple opportunities to kill Saul, finally Saul dies in battle. And, and David finally is made king of Judah and Benjamin. But not Israel. <laughs> he's he's got to wait a little bit longer. Uh, and then we know finally he's made king over all of Israel in Jerusalem and Israel is, is at its near peak. It, it peaks under... Solomon, but again, God finally did what what He said. So, what what are the observations from from all all of this? <laughs> yeah, the, you know this this is one observation. Uh, and and I've I've read different writers uh, Francis Frangipane and Bob Sorge talk about this that that the greater the promise the greater the calling the greater that is the more difficult the journey the more opposition in in getting there. And I think that's played out in, in Scripture. Uh, I mean, Joseph and David, I, I think, 
they, they've got to be the two greatest examples. And the thing is so hot. <laughs> the shoulder is like 105, and this one is <laughs> like 95. <laughs> so <clears throat> that's, that's one observation. Uh, another observation that that God is faithful. He he will do what he said. And the enemy will always come against whatever God said. I mean we see that all the way back in the beginning of Genesis. Uh that's that's how the fall took place. The enemy came against, twisted what God had said, brought into question what God had said, and and got Eve and Adam to to go against what God said. And that that is still the enemy's MO. That's that's still what he wants to do. He he wants to get us to question what God said, and then to doubt, to get us to come into agreement with doubt, because God can't bring us into a promise that we no longer believe. I believe that's true. I haven't found it yet in Scripture, but I believe that's true. Now, we can move into doubt sometimes. <laughs> and then God can encourage us, and, and we can come back into being persuaded and back into faith. Because it's, it's only when we're in faith and we're on heavenly ground that God can fulfill the promise. So <clears throat> the question is, what, what is God doing through this whole process? <laughs> it... There, there has to be something really important in, in the ways of God for this to be such a consistent picture in, in the Word. That, that when, when God gives someone a, a calling and, and then allows circumstances of life to take place such that it looks like it couldn't possibly happen anymore <laughs> or or that it would at least take a miracle for it to happen that's that's normal <laughs> it it is that that is the way of god cuz 
faith that isn't tested, is it really faith? And 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 God, he he wants to test our faith because his tests are always designed for us to pass. Because he, he wants our faith strengthened. Because it it is it's just the way of the kingdom. We we have to see things that are not as though they are. And and be persuaded that those things are true. Still. When you're sitting in the dungeon and you're pretty sure the baker and the cupbearer forgot all about what you said to them. Uh, and and you're just on the last thread <laughs> of hope. <laughs> and then the call comes from Pharaoh. And then you give God all the glory. Well, there there is a God in Israel who can interpret your <laughs> dream. <laughs> Maybe I'm quoting Daniel instead of Joseph at that point. But you get the idea. So <clears throat> anyway, what what I'm what I think I'm getting at is we need to not be surprised when this happens. In our own lives, in the lives of our friends, and in the lives of people who have the favor of God. Because we, we can't always see the favor of God whether it's still upon someone in a week or a few months or even a few years. It, it, it may take a few years for the training, the, the forming of the heart to take place so that the promise can be fulfilled. And so, you know, what, what does the favor of God look like? It, it can look like a lot of things. It, it can look like the guy who's in power trying to kill you. It can look like you're wrongly thrown in jail for years. It's it's not always obvious, is it? So how how do you know if if the favor of God is on someone? 
What, what are they saying about God? Are, are they still able to speak of the goodness and the faithfulness of God? Job. <laughs> yeah, though he slay me, <laughs> yet I will trust him. Hosea. Though there's no harvest in the fields, no cattle in the stall, uh, yet I will praise him. That's what it looks like. But the thing to remember, (laughs) when there's a promise of God and you're in the process, you're you're not going to be remembered for the process. Yeah. You're going to be remembered for the fulfillment. Because that's, you know, the the lives of, of the people who are God's people. David, Joseph, Job, Isaiah. They're... There, there was <laughs> the arrow of their life was was aimed at something, and it was it was shot at something. It it had to go through a lot of turbulent air to get there, but it hit the target, and that's what everybody remembers. And I, I want to encourage us as a body because that's us. We, we've been in a process for the last year and a half. <laughs> and, and God's been forming our hearts. Because the, the thing is, God does his best heart work through difficulty. We we all have to admit that. I mean he he isn't <laughs> often able to do very much good work at all when times are good. <laughs> um, but he's he's been forming us. He's been working on our hearts. And, and that's the thing that, that we have to remember about David and, and Joseph and Moses and many of these others who, who had the favor of God on their lives. It was, it was through the, the trials and testing of, of the process that God was able to get their hearts prepared 
for the ultimate fulfillment of their calling, their destiny. And, I mean, look at Solomon, okay? Did Solomon have the favor of God? Well, people would say yes. But he, I mean, the, the peak of Israel happened during his reign. But it, it was, <laughs> I hope I can get by with this. It, it was, <laughs> I think I can. <laughs> it, it was, it, it was kind of like Clinton getting credit for what Reagan did. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, he was still living off the blessing of his dad. That's, that's what I'm saying. Maybe that wasn't a good analogy. But. <laughs> I know, he, he didn't go through a process. His, his heart was not ready for the level of blessing that, that he received, and, and he failed. Uh, I, I mean, how, how sad. Because, uh, I, I mean, he was probably at one time the wisest man on earth. He, he wrote the Proverbs, almost all of them, uh, and Ecclesiastes. And, um, <clears throat> but man, his, his heart was not in a place to remain faithful to God. Yeah. And 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 see this this is what what that is in, in our day. Cuz there there are people who have such anointing. But they don't have the character or the heart. And when God's blessing comes they're they're crushed by the weight of it. And and that is one of the most sad things to see in the kingdom of heaven. So will you join me and say God, I'll take the process? Yeah, God, I want the process. <laughs> Do your work in me. <laughs> Prepare my heart for all that you have for me. Yes. Mm. Ah. <laughs> yeah. And You want to <laughs> I think I think so. <laughs> I'm ready to quit now.
And uh, whoever heard of Channel 5 doing a tribute to anybody? <laughs> that, that was pretty... He did. So the memorial service will be Saturday at 2 o'clock at Weeders Ponds. And then after, we're going to have some praise and worship and a reception here, probably around 3 o'clock. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> let's close with prayer. Father, we, we want to know you. We want to know your ways. And we want to see your glory. So, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. You do what you say. <laughs> and we wait on you. We trust you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. And, and Lord, just continue to lift up Patty and carry her this week. Bless her. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.